Welcome back, Red Build Empath and Truth Seekers. We are reading, guess what? Jeff Berwick's latest book, The Controlled Demolition of the USA Empire. You can find it on Amazon. Um, Kindle is not that expensive either. We are at 58% of the book under the section called Rigging the Detonators. And we are specifically in the part that says terrorists in nice suits at the point and title saying the visible hand of crony capitalism. Boom, 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 boom. So, well, we are well over half now, guys. Little bit of drum roll. Crony capitalism is defined as an economy in which businesses thrive not as a result of risks they take, but rather as a return on money amassed through a nexus between a business class and the political class. This has been the mission statement of the United States for at least the last 30 years and probably longer. By the way, I want to say that nexus means links. For those of you who are second language, you may not know. I don't think it's a word that is used as much, or at least I haven't seen it as much. So I just wanted to make sure you knew what it meant. This has been the mission statement of the United States then for the last 30 years. Nice, huh? The original economist, Adam Smith, described the invisible hand as enlightened self-interest <laughs> and the market force that helps the demand and supply of goods in a free market to reach equilibrium automatically. Oh, God. If a person makes a product and charges too much for it, nobody will buy it. Well, <laughs> depends how you market it. <laughs> Some people can charge uh, like the Kardashian. Come on, man. This is both Common Sense 101 and Economics 101. Yes, yes, I'm just being funny. Their competitor may sell a similar product and charge much less. So they would need to either lower their price to a point where they are competitive or else they will never sell anything and the market will punish them. Yep. The government does not need to interfere with this process because the process itself sorts everything out. This is known as price discovery. The seller and buyers will come to an agreement that they consider to be fair. If the price offered for a product is too low, the seller simply will not sell. If the buyer is unable to find any sellers willing to take his offer, maybe his offer is just too low and will need to be raised in order to entice someone to sell. This is why they call it an invisible hand, because it does not need anyone messing with it to make the market fair 
for the people. Chronic capitalism gives the invisible middle finger to the people. When one manipulates either side of the equation, be it the demand or supply side, they end up with numbers that are invalid and warped. If the local butcher kept his thumb on the scale every time people bought meat from him, they would get fed up and go somewhere else. Of course, he realizes this, so he either does not do that to his customers or he tries to hide it. When the government puts its big thumb on the scale, he does not care if the people know that he's doing it or not because they are the only governmental game in town, so to speak. So they do not have an incentive to make people the very best offer possible. In fact, sometimes their offer is downright horrible. Such is the case with many aspects of the American government. Historically, printing money that does not exist had led to depression, which led to hyperinflation. In the past, the dollar recovered. But what if it doesn't this time? Or the next time? The question one has to ask is whether the death of the dollar, when it comes, will be from natural causes or premeditated murder. Well, yeah. And it's really sad, honestly, because the truth is um, that until yesterday, many people hated the USA and, you know, they'll say things like, oh, they're evil. And, um, you know, I hope that they open their eyes to realize that, yeah, I mean, you were arrogant, a lot of you. You did behave like you were superior and you treated other people like shit. I witnessed this myself. But I also witnessed wonderful things. So the truth is that anyone who is put in that position and is propped up in that way will probably turn in that way, even if a little. It's just they were buying onto human nature. So that's what I want people to think about. You know, it's I'm not discounting the pain you felt. I, I know how it feels, I've been there time and time again. However, you know, two wrongs don't make one right, so I always am of the opinion that if something is hard for you to uh, bear and you can't walk away, the best deal you have is to tap on it. I tap on it anyway, no matter what. I just also step away from situations and people who are unpleasant because personally I've had and I have enough unpleasantness in my life without choosing for it and I don't need to add more. So if this kind of stuff presents itself, usually you know, on days where you're already having something going on, it's always to test what you're gonna do. So if you are a person who gets in fights or, you know, um, discusses with people and then turns into argument because one of them always ends up being that way, um, just step away. I mean, that's the advice I gave to you. 
um, free, you know, it's advice that you don't have to take. It's totally, you know, just, I wouldn't even call it advice. It's like a suggestion, okay, sorry. That was the word, not, not a good word. <laughs> In fact, I hate when people give advice. I, I just, it's like teaching. It just implies you're on top, and I don't like that. Anyhow, uh, the bottom line is, you know, there's lots of bullshit out there, and just because you are still healing some parts of yourselves and, you know, you're still attracting some of it, it doesn't mean you have to live with it. It doesn't mean you have to accept it. And it doesn't mean you have to invite it in and spend any time on it. So be aware that whether you talk to a person directly or you do it in front of a mirror or their picture or just in the ether, it's just the same thing. When you release someone else, when you say, okay, I'm going to get over this now, you don't need the other person. You just need yourself. And that is the big secret many people, apparently, you still don't know. It's not a big secret. <laughs> but many people don't know. So don't feel like because you can't reach the other person somehow, you can't, you know, get over it. It's really not necessary. And... I personally think, and that's how I do it anyway, you do what you want, I'm just sharing my side, rather than getting in arguments with people, which are useless, and I just don't do, and since you can't really have intelligent discussions with people who are triggered, I just leave. I leave, I stay away, if I know that something may bring me to a point where I get triggered, I avoid it altogether. Because see, there is a learning curve to this, and yeah, sometimes you have to put yourself there to see where you're at. But the truth is, you can tell where you're at because you know the science. At a certain point, when you've worked on yourself enough and you're really self-aware most of the time, you can see the signs coming, and you know that past a certain point, you cannot stop it. So, intelligent people stop it well before because, hey, you never know when a curveball is gonna come in and what are you gonna do? So yeah, it's not the end of the world if you react and enter an argument, but it's a lot of health issues associated with it. It's a lot of energy and, you know, it makes the situation worse. And personally, I just don't feel the need. So when people try and get me to react, I usually just leave. I'm like, I'm not interested. You can be whatever you want to be. I'm just not going to partake in that. And guess what? I also make sure anyone around them is not in my circle for a while because then I don't have to worry about them having access to me in any way. If you can't control this, however, tap. Tap in front of them, tap all the time. I personally avoid it when I can, and if I can't, that's what I do. And you know what? It works like a charm. Use tapping and use heart coherence and use Reiki. You take care of your own energy. That's what matters to you. 
And that's how you can help the world. You cannot change other people. You can only change yourself. These experiences come in your life because you need to attend those, to those parts of you that need to heal. So just like in my case, if I see certain things happen, I don't enter into the confrontation. However, I go and work on that part of me that reacted to it and I tap on it. I allow it to come out and talk and I listen and I accept it and I love it. This is how you heal those parts of yourself. And if you're an adult, you need to do it yourself for the most part, unless you have someone really special around you who is willing to do it with you. And those people are really hard to find, in my experience. But maybe in your experience, they will be easy to find. And that's what I wish for you. Because I suspect that in my life, it's because I never really quite had someone there for me all the way, ever. So that's why there's a part of me that still buys into that narrative. You don't have to buy into that narrative. You can buy in the narrative that when you need someone, you will find that person. And that's it. People who truly learn from their suffering do what they can to help others from going through the same shit. And not because they're weak or because they're not smart enough. It's because you care and you don't want people to go through stupid suffering when it can easily be avoided by simple moves. So rather than telling them what to do, which is absolutely stupid and wrong because frankly, and to be you know, just down to earth for a moment, you cannot, you know, show the way to people by telling them. They need to find their own way, but you can help them to learn certain techniques and certain tricks, you know, positive tricks, you know, little secrets that nobody ever shares, I don't know why that can make their life really much easier. I know why, it's because they want to charge you for it, right? They want to make a lot of money off of it, that's why, so. So I'm sorry I digress a lot there, but I just wanted to cover that because I think it's so important for people to understand. The first, first duty you have is toward yourself. If you cannot breathe, you cannot help others breathe. And it's a really tough lesson for empaths to learn. We want to help everybody. And we never think about ourselves until we're really fucked up. And we have to. And our body makes us. Well, we can learn to do something different. And the moment I chose to do that, my life improved tremendously. It's not to say I don't have days where I forget about it. But then, you know... I work on it. It's a learning curve. It never stops. And it's okay, because otherwise, you would be bored, probably. Even though, hey, I love, I love just, you know, not to have to have these 
learning curve constantly and we don't. In reality, in the real world, built naturally, it's not like this fake satanic world that they built for us to control everybody, you know? In the real natural world where things are the way they are and everybody is living together in harmony, we do have plenty of time and that's where we're going. So it's okay if you take time away from people. It's okay if you go and do your own thing. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's okay if you feel anger or whatever, as long as you work on it, as long as you look at it and you don't use it to go out and lash out on people, on your friends or on the people you love, on your family, your children, your mom and dad, whomever, it doesn't matter. Animals, plants, you know, God knows, your rocks, just try the tapping. Try to do the things that can truly take care of the heart and the parts of you that are hurting. And that should be good. Anyway, we were at the part where he was saying, historically, printing money that does not exist has led to depression, which led to hyperinflation. In the past, the dollars recovered but what if it doesn't this time, exactly? All right, so we were at the part that says bank holiday. When opening a traditional bank account in the United States, it is very important to read the fine print. One cannot count on asking the bank manager about the little technicality that they slipped into the contract because the chances are that he will have no idea what they are even talking about. Wow. They will not hear the teller talking about it. They, their friends will not inform them about it and they sure as hell will not hear it mentioned in the television advertisements. But it is important nonetheless. When a person deposits their money into a bank account, it becomes the property of the bank. <laughs> Did you know that, guys? This is worth repeating because it is so important. Their money becomes the bank's money the minute they put it in their bank account. This is called a bank sweep program. And it is the automatic transfer sweep of cash in the brokerage account into a deposit account at a bank that may or may not be affiliated with a broker dealer. The bank account holder is no longer in the first position as far as the ownership of that money is concerned. It is now the bank's money and the account holder becomes an unsecured creditor. Did you know that, guys? This is not a good position to be in, but it gets worse. That's why Monero may be a good idea. People must understand that the banks will take the money from the accounts when something bad happens. The money will be taken. 
After all, it is technically the bank's money. They have the right to take it, it is legal for them to take it, and the account holder cannot do a damn thing about it. And the bank knows it. That money can now be used by the bank to pay their obligations and debts without the consent of the account holder. After all, it is their money now. If a person thinks this cannot happen in the modern banking world, all they have to do is see what happened in Cyprus in the Mediterranean in 2013. The citizens of the island awoke to find that their entire banking system was frozen and they were shut out completely. No ATM withdrawals allowed, no cash available from the local bank around the corner, no access to, say, to savings accounts, and no online bill payment services. No nothing. Think about how scary that would be. The first move after discovering this is to check and see how much food one has in their fridge and pantry and to make the calculations about how much time that actually buys them before they have to explore some illegal options just to survive another day. You see? The precedent has now been set for outright bank account confiscation, with Cyprus acting as a test case. Sorry, but we have to pause for a moment, right? Of course, they do not call it a bank account seizure or confiscation. Instead, the banks, media, and government do what they always do, and that is to give the criminal act a sweet and disarming name like a bank holiday. Isn't that a warm-sounding name for the theft of a person's life savings? They made it sound like their money went on vacation, which technically it did, only it forgot to invite them to join it. <laughs> we have to laugh a little. The holiday part is because the bank closed down and the employees were told to go home. And like a normal holiday, it was probably planned well in advance. This bank holiday is Cyprus. in Cyprus was a dress rehearsal for what is coming for the rest of the world very soon. Adjustments are being made and calculations are being factored so that the mistakes that were made with Cyprus do not happen when the rollout is planned on the big world stage in the very near future. People thought they hated the government's problem that they created, just wait until everyone sees their solutions. What Americans experienced in 2008 was the bailouts of Wall Street and the banks but what they have to look forward to during the next economic collapse are bail-ins. This is where instead of asking the government to fund insolvent banks with taxpayer money, the banks just steal the customer's money, thus bailing in instead of out. People will go to bed on Friday and everything will be alright, then wake up on Saturday 
and be told that the banks are closed for the weekend and probably Monday as well, just until they sort out the mess. Yes, this will be billed as an inconvenience, but not anything to panic about. There is everything to panic about. This is how it will be presented if the banks decide to tell the people the truth. There are no guarantees that they will opt for the honest approach, because after all, they are banks, and banks are inherently dishonest. The more likely scenario is that the people will go to sleep on a Friday night, then awake to breaking news that the Russians have infected the United States banking software with a virus to cripple the system. The system is being fixed by bank professionals that hope to have everything back online Monday, maybe Tuesday at the latest. This, of course, will be a gigantic lie. It will be used as a distraction while they loot the banks from the inside and move the digital money out of everyone's accounts before the people have a chance to pull their money out. It is important to know that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, only has dollars zero point point zero two sorry <laughs> for every dollar on deposit with a bank so point zero two guys it's like two cents and those accounts are capped at up to two hundred and fifty thousand everything over a quarter of a million dollar is not insured and everything under only has two percent of actual cash in reserves to cover the losses if a local bank goes under because the manager decides to loot the vault and move to Guatemala, the FDIC will step in, making sure those with accounts below the threshold are made whole. If the whole system goes down because of a bail-in, there will not be any money left in the bank because the bank is stealing it, and there will only be 2% at the FDIC because they are not real help. However, depositors will not be left totally empty-handed. They will receive something that should make everything all right. Their money will be converted into equity in the failing bank that just stole all of their life's savings. They will receive ownership stock shares of the bank in exchange for their money. A forced liquidity investment in a company that is so broke that they just stole all of their clients money in order to not go under this week see everything is fixed sarcasm font <laughs> yeah sorry I'm doing it anyway how to avoid going on a forced holiday if hiding their money in the mattress makes people uncomfortable they can take some of their money and buy gold and silver because that is an option that retains value and cannot be printed into infinity by the central bankers. When buying gold and silver, it is important to understand that actual gold and silver is different from ETFs or paper gold. 
People need to own actual gold coins or bullion because, I think that's how you say, because the gold funds have been oversold and there is not enough actual gold or silver backing them up. It is important to know that there is a difference between tangible gold coins and paper contracts giving the holder the right to buy gold at a certain price. One has value and the other may not, especially when the system goes down. After all, who created ETFs? Wall Street did. So people know it is a scam. Economic Darwinism. And we'll move into that in the next chapter. And that's why when I see people displaying their Darwin books in the back to me, that's a sign they are not so obvious establishment or they are still asleep. But we'll move into that in the next chapter. And I mean, in the next uh, episode, <laughs> whatever, however you want to call it. And here is a drum roll quickly. And see you in the next one.